Send for the women. The women who will pray. The women who have talents, gifts, and resources. To do serious damage to demonic agendas. Send for the women. The women who will mourn. The women who haven't allowed bitterness and hate to turn them into mere mannequins. The women who aren't so downtrodden that they've forgotten how to feel. Send for the women who still have the ability to feel and cry so they might wail against what the devil is doing. Send for the women who will weep and wail. The women who will mourn in sackcloth and ashes. Send for the women. The women who will wake up, everyone around them, calling out, the devil is destroying us. Death is on its way. Send for the women who will be God's warning shout to his people, his alarm system, his tornado signal, his air raid siren. The women who God will use to warn his people of the impending consequences of sin. Send for the women who have a God-given destiny to destroy the power of Satan over God's people by waking them up and calling them to a morning of repentance. Women who would teach their daughters to weep against sin and the assault of the devil. Send for the women. Women who have a destiny to open their mouth and cry against the evil that the devil has put upon God's people. Women who have ideas to be voiced, energy to be released, abilities to be exercised, power to be loosed, spiritual gifts to be expressed, prayers to be prayed. Send for the women who look toward the future. To what they can be, what they can do, what they can say, what they can pray, what they can possess that will bring glory to God. Defeat the devil and see a nation saved. Send for the women. So, hey, a couple of weeks ago, I was praying and I asked the Lord for a topic. And without a second between my question and his answer, I heard him say, share your testimony. My response was like, okay, really? Wait a second here. Are you serious, Lord? So I went to some friends and asked them what they thought. To my surprise, they were all for it. So here I am opening up my heart and my past to share with you so I can once say I once was lost but now I'm found. That's what we are going to discuss today here on the podcast, The Busy Believer. But just before I do that, I need to tell you and give you a reminder that if you find yourself short on time for Bible reading and study, you could sign up for my show on the-busy-believer.captivate.fm. Now, Let's get to my personal testimony. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for following me today on The Busy Believer. I've got a new one for you, a totally different one. I was sitting with the Lord last week, and I was like, Lord, I need something to be able to talk and share with the people and encourage them on their day-to-day hustle in life. What do I talk about? Well, the Lord, just as I got the question out, the Lord quickly replied and said, share your testimony. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, this is going to take longer than 20 to 30 minutes, Lord. And usually you're sitting down and you're kind of telling people that you're hang out with, you know, but I had to obey him and just said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I've sat down and I actually have some notes here that I'm going to share. 
And hopefully I can keep it in the 20 to 30 minute time frame for you guys, because I know that you are on your way to work, school, or you are just out there in the hustle. So before I get started, I do want to give a couple of shout outs. Um, I have some subscribers on Patreon that are supporting me and helping me to get content out to you people. They're helping me get um, my book out. They are supporting me in that. We are trying to release a book of poetry that is going to try to be released by the end of summer. And so I want to give them their due and their shout out. So I want to send support and a shout out to Robin, to Holly, to Ange, to Enrietta, Gloria, and Jake. And without you guys and the support of this page on Patreon, I could not do it without you. So I thank you and appreciate you guys so very much. You are my heroes and I love you all. So with that, if you guys want to help me out and subscribe to my Patreon page, you can do so at www.patreon.com forward slash and it will be my name as one word, and it's Monica Hansen, and it's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'll put it in the description below of this podcast, so that way you guys can have it. And so with that, let's get into my testimony. I grew up in a very strict home. I mean, it was it was the rule of the law by my stepfather. He raised us in a very authoritative manner. We, we were controlled by everything. We were told what to wear to school. We were told when to get up. We were told what we were allowed to watch. We, we weren't even able to watch TV Monday through Thursday um, because it was schoolwork, chores, and you need to go outside. And so we were, our environment was very controlled. We went, we grew up in church, but even that was controlled. I mean, it, it came to the point of, we had to sit in the front row. We could not sit with our friends. We had to wear dresses to church, sit in the front row, and you had to whip out your notebook and write notes and follow what the pastor said. And when we got home, he would ask you about it. What did you learn while you sat there in church? And so everything was just controlled. So it wasn't a very fun time growing up. So when it came time to actually graduate high school, I was running. I was running like I don't know what. I had to get out from under my father's hand, my stepfather's hand. But where was I going to go? What was I going to do? Well, I decided to look at the military and I thought, well, I want to travel the world. I want to go see everything. So why not do it through the military? And I decided to join the army. But when I joined, have you ever done this where you come to God and you go, I will do this if you'll do this? Well, that was me. See, I came and told God, I'm going to join the army, but you have to stay at home. I didn't want God anymore. I saw him as authoritative. My freedom was taken away. Everything was controlled because of my parents. Now that's not to say that that's who God is. And clearly I'm not saying that, 
That's how my stepfather was. But that's not what the Lord is like. But that's who I saw him as. So I upped and joined the army and I decided to just leave God at home. But we all know we don't tell God where to stay and when to come follow us, do you? So I joined the army and I did seven years in the military. And I found myself in the first Gulf War. And I have about a couple of deployments under my belt. I have about three deployments under my belt. I began to just realize in Iraq, wow, I am really at war here. I, I did sign a paycheck that says up and including my life. And it really became real a couple of times. There was once where we were in these barracks in the green zone where we were, we were told this was the safe area where you could wear your shorts, your uniform shorts, and you just had to walk around with your gas mask and you didn't have to walk around with a loaded M16. You could just leave everything back with your unit. Or if First Sergeant allowed you to leave your weapon back there, you could leave it. We went to the green zone where you could have your store, where you could have your shower. You have your free phone calls to back home to wherever you were calling. And it was a time limit. We all got like the four-hour time limit for everybody to do everything and relax and come back. We had our day where we were did all of that. We jumped on the vehicle. We end up going back. But on our way back to the units, there was a huge explosion behind us from where we came from. And when we finally got back to our units, we were trying to get somebody to, to explain to us what in the world just happened. Because everybody is in a frantic, everybody's hustling around. Everybody's, you hear phone calls in the talk room. Everybody's just going crazy. Finally, somebody says, the barracks that you were just at was just hit by a scud and it took the entire building down. Nobody survived. It was in the Air Force barracks. And we were like, you're kidding me. They're like, no, that was the explosion. That was, that was what happened. We don't know how it got that far back. Now, you'd have thought I'd have sat there and go, okay, God, you're real. You could stay with me, right? Thank you for protecting me. No, that didn't even cross my mind. I totally was just like, wow, I made it back. I'm alive. Here is the, the unwritten code of every soldier in the military, even those 11 Bravos. You never call home and you never tell him what you're actually going through. You just say, everything's fine. I'm fine. Send smoke, send jerky, send socks, send deodorant. <laughs> That's all you call home for. Not Miss Monica. I didn't know about this code till after my first deployment. Because you're coming in as a, as a greenie, right? You don't know anything. So there I am getting on the phone. And I'm going, guess what, mom? I just survived this scud missile attack. And I began telling my mom, and, and you're calling home. When you call home, you have to call to AT&T. We built phone booths out there, actual phone booths. If you can remember phone booths, <laughs> then we are the same age, right? So we had built phone booths out there and you would call the operator and you would give him the phone number that you wanted to reach. 
they would connect the call to you and say, you've got 15 minutes free. And the time starts from the moment that operator picks up the phone. It's not the time that they connect the call. It's the moment that they pick up the phone. So I get a hold of my mom and I begin telling her what happens. And you would think she would say, oh my gosh, Monica, I'm so glad you're alive. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm so glad. I love you. Thank you. Is there anything you need? You know, I didn't get that. She was like freaking out, crying on the phone, which I understand as a mom. But then my stepdad takes the phone and he's like, what did you tell your mother? And I was like, dad, you got to hear this. So I began telling him and he's like, don't ever call here with that type of news. Click. And I was like, are you serious? I'm, I'm actually trying to swallow what just happened right now. I could not be here. I could be dead. I could have been in that barracks. And you would get a totally different phone call or somebody knocking on your door to tell you that your daughter's dead. I'm sorry. And they just say, don't call here with those stories. Well, I decided that I was not going to tell anybody at home what I went through throughout my career in the military since that day forward. And I never did. And I had more deployments under my belt and dealt with all of those, made it back alive. But I, it's so weird is that even though I told God he couldn't come with me while I went to go play soldier, I always knew that he was there. For some reason, I knew he was there. And it was because of my, my mother's prayers that I knew God was still looking out for me. Well, there was another incident that happened to me right before I got out. We had been on some deployments and I came home pretty exhausted. We had done training in California, what is, what is infamously known as the National Training Center in Death Valley, California. And everybody goes there for 30 days, 45 days, and we all do desert training. And so I had did desert training out there two times in a row. And when I came back, I had also did a stint in Cuba for 90 days. And so when I came back, I was completely exhausted. I had no time to relax. It was just next thing, next thing, next thing. And mind you, at the time, because I spoke fluent Spanish, I didn't, I was the, well, actually, I was the only one that went to Cuba from my unit because I spoke Spanish. I was fluent. I hung around a lot of Spanish-speaking friends and just picked it up. So after all of that, after the California training, after Cuba, I decided I was going to take some time and just rest. Well, a friend of mine decided to come by and say, hey, let's go have dinner. I want to go see an ex-girlfriend. She's pregnant with my kid and I'm going to go buy you dinner. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, seriously, I literally have to be at work at four o'clock in the morning. 
Oh, I'll have you back in plenty of time. Well, we didn't ever got back in plenty of time. We ended up going to different places. I was the driver. I took them here, there, and everywhere. I was basically the taxi service. But I was so tired that when we finally got on the road to come back, my body completely shut down. I fell asleep at the wheel and we landed upside down in a ditch. I know, right? And it was horrendous. All I remember, you guys, as I was coming in and out of consciousness, I began to hear like metal being ripped. And then I remember feeling cold. And I remember trying to holler for my friend. And I remember a pilot, a female pilot looking at me. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm like laying in a hospital bed, like wrapped from head to toe, literally. I mean, just everywhere. And I was thinking that I, like I was dreaming. I'm supposed to be in Colorado. And then I had both my parents standing there looking at me and my grandmother looking at me. And I didn't understand it. Well, come to find out, as the injuries were reported to me, I had broken a lot of different things throughout my body that you're just like, I'm not going to even go through it all. I ended up getting back on my feet when they told me I wasn't supposed to walk for six months. Six months is great compared to those that are being told that they're never going to walk again. But I was so full of anger at what had happened that I just refused any kind of service, any kind of help, any kind of recuperation, because I knew that my military service was over. I knew that I couldn't pass any attests. I knew that I was done for and I couldn't take it. Well, eventually they helped me get back up. I walk, I talk. And I know that it, even if you hear a little bit of a slur in me, like it sounds like I have a lisp, it's because that I broke my jaw in two different places. And my best friend, well, he was DOA when the rescue teams had got there. So I recovered and it was time to get out of the military. And I'm working on getting out. I'm working on getting all kinds of benefits. They're like, don't worry about it. You will never have to work. You'll be 100% disabled. The VA will take care of you. And I was like, okay. I guess I have to get out. Well, next thing you know, here comes a lawyer. And they're actually serving me papers that I need to come down and see them. And I'm like, why? So I go down and go see them. It's my first time now. I go down and see them. And apparently, my best friend, his parents, had decided to tell the military that they needed to do something about me and not let me off scot-free, that I was responsible for my best friend's death. Next thing you know, my entire life just stopped. We had to go to court. I was charged with murder, and I, I had nobody. I had hired a civilian attorney. I had a military attorney, and I called my mom, and I was like, can you come over here to Colorado and help me? And she's like, no, I can't. I was like, what do you mean you can't? My life here, they're getting ready to charge me with murder and you can't come over here? Or God told her to get out of his way. <laughs> and I'm like, 
here we go with the God thing again. And I was just like, are you kidding? I'm I'm all alone. But did I bother to look up and say, fine, God, I'm going to ask you for help? No, I didn't. I was still angry. I, I refused. Well, I go to court. They find me guilty. They dropped the charge of murder to involuntary manslaughter on my best friend. And it was a complete accident. My body shut down. I couldn't do anymore. I had been to two rotations of training. I had been to Cuba and my body shut down. And I, I just, it, it was just as simple as that. My body shut down. I ended up getting sentenced to three years in a military prison in Colorado. Can you believe it? I know. But what was the purpose? Why did God have me there? That's where I started seeing different little things. But it wasn't enough to change me. I was still running from the Lord. I couldn't I couldn't turn my heart over to him 100%. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take just a quick break and tell you about my newsletter. I actually have a newsletter going on. And it comes out every Saturday. And this newsletter, I've actually named it the Warrior Newsletter. Pretty cool name, don't you think? It's positive stories and updates in your email. When the world has gone mad, it can shed a little bit of light and give you some uplifting stories, some crazy creature features, some Bible quiz things. And so if you go to my link tree, and I'll put, put it in my description here, but you can subscribe over on my link tree. You'll find my newsletter there. And link tree is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash the busy believer. And there you can find my newsletter and subscribe and it will automatically send the information to me and I will be the only one that has it and I will send you my newsletter every Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and you can sit there and read some good news in the midst of a chaotic world. And so I'll be sure to put that link in the description and you can have that in there. And so let's get back to my personal testimony. The recovery time was pretty much spent in prison, as you can imagine. I did a lot of physical therapy in there. And I, I remember different times that the Lord started revealing himself to me, even in prison. But I, I refuse still to go, no, you, this is what you've done to me. See, I almost died in Iraq. See, I had this car accident. I was supposed to be in a wheelchair for six months. You took my best friend. Now I'm in prison and you want me to surrender to you? And I refused. And then here I am sitting there in prison and waiting. What was I going to do next? All I could do is just give up and just say, fine. I just, if I'm in here for three years, I've got a roof over my head and three hots and a cot. But then my civilian attorney comes over and he's like, hey, we have a new general of the base. Let's submit your story. Let's let him know what happened and see what he says. So I was like, okay, whatever, let's do it. We submit the 
all the evidence, we'd submit everything to him. They come back, they drop everything. They dropped all charges. They said, get her out. And they said, don't ever come to, to the base again in Colorado. You got to leave the military. And I have a brand new clean record. There's nothing there. All charges were dropped. There is no criminal record at all. And I walked away. Done. Scott free, a free person. Now you would think that I would be, thank you, Jesus, and give him my life, right? No, I didn't. I didn't look at it that way. I still ran from the Lord from that time on at 24, 20, 24 to 26 years old. I ran. And we're going to fast forward all the way through November 2020. At about 50 years old, I remember I was sitting in Texas and I started watching this TV program. And I remember seeing this guy jamming out on a piano. He had like a an accent, like an African accent. He had like, and he had the greatest like, and he would jam out on a piano, jam out on keyboard. And he ran a team of worshipers. I was like, wow, this guy is just amazing, right? And I began to just watch him. Two, three o'clock in the morning, I would stay up and just watch and go, what is this? And time and time again, I found myself just watching him throughout the week. And next thing you know, I'm, I was just like, here is Jesus. I have never been given Jesus like this in my life. He he shows a friendship with Jesus, but he shows a fear and awe of Jesus. And he says, this same Jesus you can have. And I wanted it. And I didn't, I, I was just so impressed with it. It was drawn, drawn to it. And I had a friend one time on Facebook a couple of years back. He told me, he said, Monica, he says, Witnessing to somebody is exactly like this. He says, you have two people running a race in the desert. I'm like, here we go with the desert again. I know the desert, right? And he says, you have two people running a race in the desert. And he goes, one of those people ends up finishing the race. And the prize that they get is this bottle of water. And that bottle of water, they're just drinking it. And finally, they go running back to the person trying to finish the race. And he says, man, and you're drinking that water down and you're telling them, oh man, this water, wait till you finish the race. This water is so good. And you're drinking, gluh, 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 gluh. you know, <laughs> that's my version of drinking. And he says, you're drinking this water down. You're just like, oh man, just wait till you get in. It'll quench your thirst. It'll be so good. It's cold water or it's room temperature water, whatever you like. Wait till you get to the end. You're going to get this water. You'll feel so much better. You'll feel energized. It'll rehydrate your body. And he goes, instead of telling them about the water, he said, Monica, you just give them. And he goes, that's what Jesus is like. Just give them the water. And it really stuck with me. And because this guy that I was watching on TV did the exact same thing for me. He gave me the water. He gave me Jesus. And he showed complete reverence to the Lord, fear of the Lord, and awe of the Lord, but a friendship with the Lord. 
And I was like, that is all one package deal. I want it. And then this preacher started singing a song called Mercy Seat. And you may know him by just saying his song, but one of his choruses to the song has said, if I forget your mercy seat, let my hands forget their skill. Let my tongue grow silent, cold, and still. Let my heart forget to beat if I forget your mercy seat. And the way he sang the song, and it's actually his version of Amazing Grace. And he sang that song, and I was like, this is totally me. And I melted. See, I'd been tired of looking over my shoulder so long to go, did I miss the rapture? And I would quickly dial my mom and say, okay, if she answers the phone, then I know I didn't miss the rapture. And so when she'd answer the phone, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm good. And then I would start going to church again. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to commit this time. Or I would take my kids to church going, I just got to take them to church so that they'll be good kids when they get older or to keep my mother off my back. But see, it was never about my relationship with the Lord that I did any of it. I didn't have the water. I wasn't given the water throughout my entire life. When that song played, it gripped my heart and I knew, I knew that I knew I was tired of running. Jesus had me at that point at two o'clock in the morning on my knees in my office going, I am, I am tired of running. I just want to come home now. I want to give my heart to you and I can't do this anymore without your help. And so I, I just, I just, I gave it all to him. And you know what? He gave me the water. I don't thirst anymore. I have freedom in my heart. And it's the same freedom that you, if you're listening to this and you don't have Jesus in your heart, take the water. I'm giving you the water. All you got to do is take it and he'll change your life forever. He'll never be the same again. He'll, he'll wipe away the old man. My old man was the drinking and the partying and, and just living my own lives, having my own idols, doing whatever I wanted to do instead of living a life for the Lord and honoring him and being a queen or a princess in his kingdom. And to be able to one day go to heaven and see him face to face because he washed all of that old nature away. And behold, I have become a new creation in him. And now everything in my past is gone, erased, and all my sins are forgiven. And it's the same thing, listener, that you can have out there too. If you just reach out and take the water and ask him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he will save you. What happened after that time? Oh, man, <laughs> man, can I tell you some stories? But you know what? That's for another episode. Today, I am right here with you. I'm giving you my testimony, and I hope that it blesses you more than it has blessed me in sharing it with you. And I will come back 
and I will give you part two of my personal testimony of what is your host doing since the Lord has saved you. And with that, have a blessed day, everybody. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast, The Busy Believer. And if you like the episode or think it will be useful for someone else, hey, please give us a review over at podchaser.com forward slash busy believer. And if you have any questions, you can jump on over to Truth Social and follow me at The Busy Believer. And remember, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isaiah 43.1. Have a blessed day.